Blog Talk Radio. A voice for justice. I am Isis, and I'm clearly growing tired and weary of speaking so soft. See, I don't think my message is getting across. See, to me, it remains to be seen and explained why this civil unrest must always offset economically and culturally maimed the minorities to keep it plain. Yes, I am ISIS, and I see injustice in our system. Speaking softly to each soul, these words, which are so bold, it's how I relate. Stories like today's, many go untold. See, sadly, the U.S. and its government has a chokehold on the little man's neck. Throughout history, they are known as rejects in their eyes. Our voice must scream to the hierarchy of mankind. It is time to Stop these poor excuses for human beings inhuming and expelling and escaping the truth. You see, more now than ever before, does the world need change. More now than ever before, does the word change need to be converted to a new action word, verb, move. It's time to move them out the way. Move is meant to bring comfort and resolution and solace to family who's lost. Who's at fault? (laughs) Who dropped the ball? Okay, never mind all that. We poets must pick off where they left off. Stand tall, speak out. Love, peace, and unity is what it's all about. If we don't, who will? We must let our voices be heard and or our inks spill. It's a worldwide illness injustice, a malignant tumor growing and talking, yeah, speaking to our spirits and taking over our communities. Oh, this epidemic, oh, can't even say the word. It's a sickness of hate crimes, consumes our minds, but there is where it must not permanently reside. Over, oh, our mouths and fingers must spread the word until the voices of those lost are finally heard. Whatever happened to, yes, I am, when am I my brother's keeper? would be heard across the land. Yeah, well, they became deaf and dumb unless it's their own relation. When cries are wept in impoverished nations, what goes on behind closed doors of the penal system? <laughs> I think they are, yeah, laughing while throwing darts and drinking gin. Their targets are young black men who are unarmed and pose no threats. 
So poets, united we stand, divided we fall. Now will we take a stand if not for you, for all the Trayvons? Yes, the perpetrators must pay for what they have done, including those who allow the violence to continue on. Oh, I speak boldly, I'm speaking of the law. Yes, all across the board. It's time to pay the piper and face the poetic sword. I feel like a broken record now. How many voices must go unearthed? How many times must we commit our minds to change only when we must lay one of our own back to the earth? We are mentally maimed, but that isn't to say we must remain that way. We have civil rights that will never die, but we must use them before unjustly another one dies. And more parents cry. And the crimes committed goes unrealized. Open your eyes. How many more perpetrators must we allow to roam the earth free? Poets, poets, let not their freedom reign. All right, that was Sister Isis. I speak in softness is what it stands for. Long before we knew of the ISIS that terrorizes the land, and it is interesting that we start out that way because today the name of our show is called Terror is Terror, whether by police or a lone gunman. Terror is Terror, whether by police or a lone gunman. I am one of your hosts, Rodney Smith. My co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas, is away right now, so you got yours truly in the air chair all by himself to bring you this show. The show is coming to you because of the recent events with the two killings of Alton Sterling and I believe it's Rolando Castile uh, that happened in two parts of the country. And then during a peaceful protest in Dallas, as the protest, a lone gunman murdered and I want to make sure you heard it, murdered five police officers and still counted. So, everyone, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. Once again, I am Rodney Smith, your host for today. The title of our show is Terror is Whether by Police or a Lone Gunman. Hopefully you can uh, give us a call at 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one to talk and chime in on today's topic. Uh, our own, to tell you a little bit about Our Own Voices Live, Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its cultural diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the cultural and divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. We do it with things like this radio show, Our Own Voices Live. We also have Our Own Voices, the print magazine, which is really where all of this began. And it's a digital version as well. You can find it on ourownvoices.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Our Own Voices Live, as well as Our Own Voices, and on Twitter at Our Own Voices. Pretty much everything is Our Own Voices. 
you know, without uh, further ado, let me just read you a little description of today's show. Uh, normally we come on at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast and 3.30 on the East Coast, so we're running a little bit late, actually quite a bit late today. We have a lot of activities going on here in Las Vegas in response to what's happened this week, and I'm going to be a, a part of a couple of those, whether it's the rally, which is going to be held at the corner of Martin Luther King Boulevard and Cary Avenue, Martin Luther King Jr., Martin Luther King Boulevard and Cary Avenue, and that's going on at 7 p.m. tonight. I'm also going to be on another radio show by, hosted by someone else tonight at 6 p.m., and, uh, well, just trying to make it happen, so bear with me. So to get into today's show, because I see there's callers and, and I want to get to you, uh, I titled it Terror is Terror, whether by police or a lone gunman. And it's so interesting to see the reaction to the two black gentlemen who were killed by the public, the general public, and the reaction of the five police officers who were killed. So what I said was the two police killings of black men and the subsequent revenge killings of police by a lone gunman is still in the headlines. Things are reaching a fever pitch on both sides. What should we do to keep America from its cities becoming like Beirut? Or is it inevitable due to a failure to address racism in America? That last part, is it a failure to address racism in America? And I could have said even to acknowledge that racism exists and to acknowledge that it is a factor. And I say that because I have a diverse group of Facebook friends from, well, to be quite honest, from skinheads and militia people to black nationalists and pan-Africans, to everything in between. And I monitored what happened when there was the police shooting and when the police were shot. And I watched the rhetoric on both sides. More importantly, what I looked for was who was empathizing to the loss of life. And to my chagrin, I found out that on both sides, there was a lot of quickness to jump to violence. That's right. Both sides. And violence is not the answer. It never has been and it never will be. I don't know all of the answers. Hopefully you all can share some of the things that you think are answers, believe are answers. Seen has answered other things and other events. But we do need them. You know, Donald Trump says a bunch of stuff. But one of the things that he's, he asked a question, and he said, will we still have an America? And if America, cities erupt, in senseless violence, whether it's police officers 
shoot the citizens unwarranted or suspect as a minimum, and then citizens hunting down and killing police officers. If we do that, won't that escalate? And for those of you who watch Middle Eastern TV, especially from like 10 years ago, because they don't really show it that much now, how they always have been violence. There's a bunch of people killed, shot, blown up, stabbed, and then, of course, the Israelis go and retaliate, and then they go to a back-and-forth until eventually there's a ceasefire. But the carnage and the death and the trauma both sides go to may last a lifetime. The life may be snuffed out now, but the trauma just might last a lifetime. And then if we go an eye for an eye, which is what I hear on both sides, will we all need to see an eye dog because we'll just be blind? For a country that prowls itself on freedom and on the acceptance of all people, are we accepting each other now? But here's another question, and this one really one for white people and those who support their ideology. Do you see African Americans, even though they have American in their name description, because we're told not to use black because white people are afraid of black. So do you do you see African Americans as Americans the same way that you see white people? So this is to white people and other non-black. Do you see African-Americans the same as you see white people? 347-826-9600, I would love to hear what you have to say. And if you would like to talk, please press press the uh Pound and the number one or on your keypad, and that will let me know that you want to talk. Or just press the number one, and that will give me a little tune. And I'm running the board solo, so I may be a little slow, but I will get to you. And I, I see you all out there. I watched the new shows on Fox, MSNBC, and CNN, and I watched the coverage. And what I saw was really disturbing for them to call themselves news shows because what I saw was gasoline being tossed onto a fire. That's what I saw. Not water hoses. I saw gasoline because the news really should just report so you may not necessarily and some people would argue you shouldn't get any. You should just get the news. This is what happened. Who, what, the who, the what, the where, the when. Oftentimes the why was left up to the citizen. In today's editorialized news, is the news media getting on? what some may believe is the inevitable. And let me be specific on what some say the inevitable is. And they say it's a race riot. 
there are people on on my face my Facebook friends who are preparing for a race ride. Now these are blacks and whites, but I have to admit the most vocal was white. These are people I know, these are people who support me. These people these are people I spent time with. And I know I see a lot of people say that if you don't believe this or that, then unfriend me. Well, see, if we all unfriend each other on Facebook and in life, and the only people that we talk to are people who see things like us, then how will we ever change anything? Because we, we have to change the direction that we're headed now or maybe we will look like Beirut. Do we want that for America? One of the things that has helped America achieve so much in a fairly short period of time, when you look at our total existence compared to other countries, was because we have fairly smooth transitions of government. I mean, there's been assassinations of the president, but for the most part, most presidents, Either they do their term. Well, most of them do their term. They and most of them live through their term. You know, there's not uh, coup d'etats here in America. We don't overthrow the government with arms, unless you call going to the voting booths every four years. That's how we turn over our chief executive, our leader, our president, and then every two years. We fire or rehire our House of Representatives. And every six years, with a stagger, we do the same thing with our Senate. So we have had a very peaceful turnover and transfer of government and power. As far as I know, the only insurrection that's happened in this country was in November, I believe, 4th of 1898 in Wilmington, North Carolina. But where we're headed now, and here's the thing, police say that they fear for their lives. And there's roughly, I'm told, about 300,000 police in America. Somebody fact-checked me. I thought it was 800,000, but... I've heard it's about 300,000. So let's go in the middle. Let's say for the 500,000 police that are in America, they say they're afraid they're not being supported. And then you have another segment of America. This is the African-American community. It's about 35 million of them. And they say that they feel as if they are oppressed and brutalized by police officers. Many of them talk about having the talk with their children and especially their boys because they feel this way. Now, the flip side of that, and I think this is important, is there is a segment of our population, and oftentimes it's white Americans, but it is others, usually not black, who say that black people need to get over it, that It's black people's fault 
that black people are just inherently violent. And whatever happens to them is what happens to them. There's another segment of people who say, hey, I just mind my business. And there's a danger, I believe, in all of those. Because if you're silent during oppression, aren't you a party to that oppression? But I like what one of our former presidents had to say about this. And I thought it was important to share it with you because maybe some people might not have thought of it this way. But long before all of us living today came along, there was a great statesman, orator, and writer who eventually became our president named Thomas Jefferson. And this is what Thomas Jefferson wrote. He said, tyranny is defined as that is legal for the government but illegal for the citizenry tyranny tyranny is defined as that which is legal for the government but illegal for the citizenry one of the reasons why this is so important is that is what has led to them creating the second amendment is so that the people would have equal available to them to defeat tyranny. Now, I don't want to get so much off onto the Second Amendment, but that was why we have the Second Amendment, is to prevent tyranny in this country. But unfortunately, for the African American, they feel as if our government has become tyrannical. And when I hear people say that it doesn't make any difference what other people say, this is how I feel. The problem with that is if if you're choking me, and I tell you I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And you say it doesn't make any difference what you say. I'm going to go about doing what I'm doing. Then you choke me to death and I die. That is the unfeeling and the thoughtlessness that goes into that statement. And I hear all too often people saying, well, I'm just going to do and act how I feel, and I don't care about what anybody else has to say or how they feel. And I say that if you're in a position of power, and in that position of power, your actions are choking me, and I am telling you this, but you just ignore it. And then when I die, Say that it's my fault Or there is never A jury of your peers Because there's no charge Or that the laws Are written in such a way That makes your actions Legal 
Because remember, slavery used to be legal. We had Jim Crow laws, poll taxes and poll tests. Those were all legal. But when we look at it through the moral lens of today, we look and wonder what were we thinking. Now, there is another segment of people who believe that the Confederacy is going to rise again and should rise again. And for those people, I would ask you, what would you say if there, if England started talking about, we're going to retake them colonists, we're going to be back in charge? Remember, we fought a war, the Revolutionary War, to get that freedom. We fought the Civil War, that freedom. So that, I don't, I never have understood that because supposedly all of those Confederates had turned into Americans. But the Confederacy is alive and well in people's minds today. Can we at least acknowledge that? I mean, we see the flags. I know they say it's a way of life, and I agree with them that it is a way of life, but it's a way of life that was oppressive against over a million people. Has that mindset soaked in so much that the former oppressor mentally still sees themselves as the conqueror so that they can do whatever they want? So there was two killings of black men. I don't know all the details. I didn't see the whole incident on the film. I don't know why the police attacked Alton Sterling. I don't know. He didn't have a gun in his hand. He didn't have a weapon in his hand. And they shot him because someone said gun. Now, after they shot him and he turned over, they pulled, may have been a gun, because I wasn't able to tell, but even let's say that it was a gun. They pulled it out of his pocket after he was shot. What was the threat? What was the threat? And why, I, I, and I, I just don't know. I don't know why they were even talking to Mr. Sterling in the first place. So that was one incident. That was one incident. And then, what, within 18 hours, I forget the exact exact time frame, in Minnesota, there is boyfriend and girlfriend in their car, and I don't know what happened before the shooting because I saw the streaming video after the shooting. But I saw a black man literally dying, being streamed live. It makes you wonder, what type of country are we in? This is something that was abhorrent when I was growing up. But I noticed that there was no one either allowed or rendering aid to this person that was shot. That includes those who shot him. 
and anyone else that was near. Now, I realize for a civilian, seeing someone get shot is a traumatic experience. Seeing someone close to you get shot even more and someone who is significant to you greater than that. So I understand that, but I don't understand the police officer. When Alton Sterling was shot multiple times, I noticed that there was no attempt, at least not immediate, to render aid. What I'm getting to in, in this segment is something called empathy. Not sympathy, but empathy. When there is a sickness, an illness, an accident, it can be a whole bunch of things. And specifically death, usually there's someone that's going to be mourning, and then there are other people who might empathize, feel their pain, feel their sorrow, might even comfort them, right? When you lose a life in your family and your friends come by, they will usually give some type of condolence through words or actions. They empathize. Well, what a lot of black people are saying to white America and others is that when these things happen to our people, instead of empathy, often they're demonized for things that may have happened who knows when, and in some cases turn out to be false. But it is the initial reaction that has caused a lot of the friction. It is as if the loss of a black life does not matter. So for all of you who say all lives matter, all lives should matter. But it doesn't look like black lives matter to black people. And the actions of white things happen often looks like they don't care. If you look at some of the posts, actually a lot of them applaud and give positive salutations. That lack of empathy is is an issue. And if I'm telling you that this is an issue and it is hurting me, and you say, but then let's flip this over. When the police got killed, it was badges with black bands. It was pouring out of sympathy and letters, a memorial. They were spoke of as heroes and all of that. And I don't doubt that they may have been heroes. I know that they were actively engaged in a situation that was life or death, and for them turned out to be death. And they were trying to save lives. I support that. I support police. Heck, I don't want police to go away. But at the same time, I don't want to be afraid of police either. And police really shouldn't be afraid of me. I'm just one man, a black man. But in every incident, whether there's a gun or not, struggle or not, the police, usually white, very seldom is there a black police officer killing anybody? But when these incidents happen, there is no empathy, and there 
It's often said, well, we're, I was afraid for my life. Is it my very existence in your presence or maybe even on earth that causes white people to be afraid of me, the black man? Is this some type of Darwinistic psychological gobbledygook that we're not willing to openly discuss? I ask the question, are white people in America afraid of black people, and what are you afraid of? Most white people get killed by white people. Most black people get killed by black people. So white people, why are you afraid of black people? And from my heart, why do you find it so difficult to empathize when there is a loss of life of a black person in the community? If it's associated with a police officer, why is that so hard for you? And why do you find it, including the news media, necessary to demonize, including Tamir Rice, a 12-year-old? Remember the gentleman in the store, the Walmart in Cleveland, Ohio, toy gun, and somebody said, call the police because there was a black man with a gun? And the police came in in full attack mode, ran in, and just shot the man? And they're justified because he, it was reported that he had a gun. And so when the police responded, they responded in the manner of someone having a gun. Therefore, when they saw the man that fit the description who held a gun, they executed him on site. And then they said the reason why they did that was, well, we didn't know it was a play gun. Tamir Rice, well, we didn't know it was a play gun. And they executed him even quicker than the gentleman in Walmart. People say, and I heard former mayor, Rudy Giuliani, who I'm a New Yorker, and it was embarrassing listening to him speak, blame the victim for their death. Blame the parent for the death of their children. Well, if they would have just taught them to act right, if they would have just taught them to do what they're told. How about the gentleman that was in South Carolina was pulled over by a, uh, I believe, a state trooper, and he pulled over to know what was going on. The trooper told him to, you know, show him his license. The gentleman turned around to get his license, and the trooper shot him. Well, shot at him multiple times. Luckily, the trooper was a terrible shot. But the man turned around with his hands up and, and was asking, why are you shooting, why are you shooting? And the policeman, the trooper, kept shooting. Even when the man was on the ground, how do I know? That's what I film. Even when the man was on the ground, this was in South Carolina, the police officer was still shooting him and shooting at him. 
and the man was still asking, why are you shooting me? But the police officer was still shooting. I believe his name was Rolando Castillo. Mr. Castillo, I'll stick with that. I don't know what happened, but there was no gun. Now, so far, we know that. He did not have a gun in his hand. There was no gun on the seat, apparently. But I don't know where the gun was. Now, supposedly, he told him that he had it concealed and carried. Asked for his driver's license. He went to get for girlfriend said he went to get his driver's license. And in the process of doing that was shot. There's a meaning that shows how black men should dress. And it has a black man with his hands up, because we now we already know that that alone doesn't mean anything. It is a universal signal of surrender for everyone but the black man in America when associated with white police officers. But he had the universal sign of surrender, had a white shirt on. You know, white usually is another sign of surrender. And in the mean, he has his driver's license, his ID, his registration, all affixed to his white shirt of surrender with his hands up saying this is how black men have to dress and walk around in America. It reminds me of the Jews in Nazi Germany. And for those who are going to be offended because I invoke the Jews, freedom of speech, baby. I was trained by a Jewish woman who was in the concentration camp, taught me about life in the camp, and what led to it, but she also taught me about my own history. And many of you who listen to the show have heard me tell it, so I won't tell the whole story, but for those who may not have heard it, just a quick overview. And she says, the world should never forget what happened to my people, Jews, in World War II. And you should not let the world forget what happened to your people throughout history in America. So when people say get over it to black people, say it to a Jew and mean it. Do they need to get over it too? Because you support their anniversary. But when it comes to black people, and see, here's the thing. Yes, we were enslaved, but 100 years after that, We were under Jim Crow. The Holocaust was in the late 30s through the early 40s to remember that. Jim Crow, it just ended 50 years ago. But yet, you tell us we have to forget it, get over it. No. Because you, white people in America, and those who support you, because they're just as called, you have not got over losing the Civil War. You have not got over losing your free workforce. You have not accepted black people as equal Americans. 
I lived through the 60s and 70s. I know when black people thought they were just American and just tried to act like Americans because they had voting rights, civil rights, they had housing rights, employment rights, had Brown v. Board in, I believe, 1954. So we got that. Desegregation, right? No more redlining, supposedly. Almost all the laws that were supposed to be passed were passed. The fact is that those, think about this. In the 1960s, 1950s and 60s, those laws had to be passed. So that tells you that there was something wrong all the time before. So this is not new. People were still being hung in the 50s and 60s. As a matter of fact, Some people believe like folks are still being hung today. Studies show that you can talk to white people about anything except racism. For some reason, that is the one thing that they're not willing to talk about. See, for black people, that means that we can never get our grievances addressed Because white people automatically say there is no grievance because we're not willing to discuss what you say your problem is. It's sort of like a child coming to you with an owie and you telling that child, I don't want to hear it. Go away. Or how about this one? Oftentimes we talk about domestic abuse and abusers and how more people need to report it, and how those who are being abused should speak up. We say that oftentimes this is associated with women, but it can be men too. We say that. But for black people, when we say there's a problem, your actions or inaction is harming me, is inflicting pain or damage to me, What white people say is, well, a lot of times nothing. They say that they don't want to talk about racism because they'll be called racist. Is some illogical, non-logic right there. If we don't talk about it, how are we going to fix it? Because here's the thing. Black people do not have the power to change the minds of white people. See, the laws, there are pretty good laws out there. But normally the administrators of the law are white people who believe that there's not a problem. The people who capture you, who are in public, Those are usually white people, too. About 73%, I believe, of the police force is white. So you have the law enforcers, the police officers, right, who don't believe that these things exist. You have the district attorney, who are usually white, who also have the same belief. Then you have the judges, also with the same belief. And if you get to have a trial of your peers, 
usually your peers are predominantly white, also with the same beliefs. It's very similar today in that regard as it was to a slave on the plantation who was beat or the family of one whose slave relative was killed. They had to go to the people in power who inflicted the damage, the harm, on them for grievance. And there was no grievance given. As a matter of fact, after a while, there was no point in going to them for grievance because they knew there was no grievance. Someone says, well, why do black people say everything has to do with race? Well, in America, when it comes to black people associated with white people, it's because it does have to do with race. And if black people says that it does and white people says that it doesn't, does that automatically discount the black people? Because we know it doesn't automatically discount the white people because they're the people in charge. So because they're in charge, they control the news media, they can portray. Remember Tamir Rice? Remember him? Tamir Rice, the 12-year-old, said he weighed over 200 pounds. Therefore, he was more threatening, and he looked older than what he was, and the police officer was fearful. Remember Trayvon Martin? The dude was over six feet tall and I think weighed like 160 or something like that. George Zimmerman was much shorter, but he had him by like 60 pounds. But they kept harping on Trayvon Martin's height advantage. Always something. Statistics show that medical care for black people with pain is not the same for white people because white people believe that black people have a greater tolerance of pain, of, for pain. Did you know that white people believe that black people are magical? And in the same token of believing that they're magical, they also believe that they're demonic and possessed. Maybe that's why they're so afraid of them. They believe that we have superhuman powers. Therefore, they're afraid of us. So what we have is a group of people who are apparently inherently afraid of another group of people, even when they're children, because of the magical power, the demonic possession. Many of these things are rooted in myth. For example, in the Mormon teaching, black people were black because they were cursed, because they were lazy, they were lukewarm. They had a choice between good and evil, and they decided they wouldn't make a decision. Therefore, their punishment was to be marked with black skin so all through eternity everyone would know that they're lazy and that they weren't willing to make a decision. I wonder is that where the the myth of black people being lazy comes from today. And the thing about that is that is something that permeates white society and other people who come to this country because they hear from white people. Now, let's think back for just a short thought exercise. Who built America? I know they got the TV show, the documentary, that talks about the industrialists, the capitalists, that built America, 
They did it with slave labor. Before unions, who were all the tradespeople? It was slaves. It was black people. Who did? Who picked the cotton? Who pulled the tobacco? Who did the cooking? Who did the cleaning? Wondered for a moment if, if doing all of that and black people were considered lazy, for the white people who had the black people doing all of their labor for them, what category would they fall in? Arsenio used to have the Arsenio Hall show, and he had a segment that said, things that make you go, hmm. So if white people called black people lazy, and black people were doing all of the white people's work, and then went to their little shanty and took care of their family after taking care of the white people's family. I'm not trying to condemn white people, but I'm trying to show you how illogical some of this stuff is. That is still a part of the white psyche today. See, this is not because of black people, because we don't have any control, just like when we were slaves. Some people say we're still slaves. I'm not buying that label, though I understand. White people, it is not that we hate you. We just want to be able to live. Believe it or not, we would love to work. But you know the saying, last hire, first fire. I know there's some people, especially foreigners, who come to America and they say, well, black people, you got all this opportunity here and you just, Lazy, not taking advantage of it. And I can see how people would see that, who don't share our experience, right? But see, what they don't know or don't care to look at is that when the most educated group of people in this country is black women, but they're also unemployed or under, especially underemployed. And then the black man can't get, is not able to get a job because the white people won't hire them. So, okay, that puts us, that frames it up for white people. Now let's tackle this, some solutions for black people. Black people, no matter how much you forgive white people, no matter how much you empathize, no matter how much you show your support for police officers, it will not change the mindset of white people. No matter how many times you say hands up, don't shoot, they still shoot. No matter how many times they say they can't breathe, they still kill you. No matter how many times, contrary to Mr. Giuliani, you comply with their commands, they're afraid of you. So they still shoot you. So we actually may not be able to do anything about that because they're in power and we're not. But here's the thing that we have that a lot of people fought and died for, and that is the right to vote. We also 
can voice our opinion. And what we can do is reject the status quo, that means Democrats and Republicans, and instead of re-electing the same people that perpetuate the same system, maybe you need to look, develop, support people who support your ideology, your ideas, your needs, your wants. Because then when they get in positions of power, maybe we need to get more black people to join the police force. You know, all too often what we hear is, no, I'm not joining that. Black people shouldn't join the police because they oppress us. Well, hey, if we want people who look like us and we feel more comfortable with them policing us, then more of us have to be police. Paying jobs. I believe it averages out with about $55,000 a year, average. Some places more, some people, some places more, some places less. But it averages about $55,000 to start. Now, if there are barriers that we need politics to break down for black people to get those jobs, then that need to be identified and we need to break those down. You say that teachers are from the Midwest and have no cultural competency, then black people, more of you need to become teachers. And if there are barriers, especially unlawful, then those need to be identified and those need to be broken down. DAs, judges, even though you don't have to be a lawyer to be a judge, then maybe more black people should try to be lawyers, judges, DAs, so that we could bring our experience into the mix. How about this? If you know that your children are doing things that they shouldn't do, stop them and teach them in the first place not to do those things. We know that children are not perfect, and they do make mistakes, and this is a second-chance nation for most people. But at least within our own community, we can be a second-chance people to ourselves. Let's stop them. If we're killing each other, we know that people kill each other, rob each other, rape each other, victimize each other. That's just how it is in nature. But we can still look to reduce it. So those are some things that we can do. I'm going to tell you one that may be a little controversial, coming close to being politically powerless in America. Right now, we're quite powerful or potentially powerful because whoever wins the presidential race will win because of the percentage of black people that they got. Whoever wins the local offices, state offices, and city and county offices in Nevada, and probably any place else, usually, unless it's a place like Maine, Oregon, Wyoming, you know, North Dakota, 
this is places like that. You know, Nebraska, I think I mentioned Utah, Idaho. That has very small ethnic and specifically black populations. Other than, other than those places, the vote is going to be won because of black people. Black people do not vote because you're a Democrat and Democrats on the ticket. Whoever is running, give them your list of demands because that's a position of power because you're voters. They need your vote. They're the ones looking for a job, just like it's usually us. This is the one time in America where we are the ones who do the hiring. Reject those who do not support our needs. Reject them, regardless of what party they are, regardless of what color they are. That will help you gain a position of power in America. I'm going to implore you to support your own businesses. doesn't mean stop supporting white people's businesses. But what it does mean is you need to support your own. Because then you can hire your own. Then you can do a lot of things that you're not able to do now, depending on white people and others. Parents, teach your children to become homeowners and keep them out of these streets. If you know that they're in a game, you need to do what's necessary to stop them. But here's the most controversial item of all, because I have to get ready and go to the radio show at 6 o'clock and statue at 7 for our rally. Here's one of the most controversial ones at all. Black people, because of immigration, our percentage of the population will continue to stagnate and may even decline. There are not enough black people who are considered African American to come to America. We have to actually start taking care of the children that we have, training them appropriately, and then we need to increase the number of children that each family has. Black people need to take care of the children that they have, but then for generations coming up, need to have more children, or we will become statistically irrelevant in the political process, which means Taxation without representation. I opened the show with the quote from Thomas Jefferson. So let me give it to you before we close out. Tyranny is defined as that which is legal for the government but illegal for the citizenry. If other people are determining what is best for them, that may not include us, and we could be in a situation in a democracy that's really a republic where we have no representation, taxation without representation, which is what this country was founded on. I reject violence as the answer, but I also reject inaction as the answer. And white people, those of you who are afraid to talk about racism, we need you to get into the conversation. As Americans, if you believe in the idea of America, then I need you to do the American thing and talk to your 
fellow and sister American. And if you don't know what to say, that's okay. I can understand that. Then listen to them. Hearing is passive. Listening is purposeful. Listen to them. But if you go in with your mental ears plugged, then you will hear nothing in your physical ears. I need you to open your mind to the possibility that, yes, racism exists today and that racist people do racist things adversely affect other American subgroup African Americans. And it's other people too. We're talking about African Americans today. If you are not willing to see that, then you are not just a part of the problem, but you are the problem. It may seem harsh, but the life of black people in America is harsh. There's a meme that says, if you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor, Bishop Desmond Tutu. And black people, Frederick Douglass says, find out just what any people will quietly submit to, and you have the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed on them. So that means we have to call it out. Frederick Douglass also said, without struggle, there can be no progress. So we're going to have to struggle, which means we've got to sacrifice. There's going to be sacrifice. And then for the people who say they don't want to talk about racism because they may be called racist, suppose you are. Here's a quote from Voltaire. To learn who rules over you, simply find out who you are not allowed to criticize. And for those of you who say, why do we need to have a Black Lives Matter slogan? Here's one. It says, all lives can't matter until black lives matter. So when you say all lives matter, that can't be so because black lives don't matter to you. And for those of you who are sitting on the sidelines, Dr. King said there comes a time when silence is betrayal. And before him, Albert Einstein said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. And then there was a famous poem that came out from this saying. And there's a meme that shows Jews in the concentration camps with Gestapo officers near them. And it says, remember, it didn't start with gas chambers. It started with politicians dividing the people with us versus them, you know, Democrats and Republicans. It started with intolerance. Caring became desensitized, mindlessly obedient, and turned a blind eye. White people, this is you. 
when it comes to racism in America. If you believe in um, the idea of America and the Constitution that so many of you flaunt, then really a lot of this change can't happen unless you're willing to play your part. Black people can only do so much, but you're the decision makers. Yeah, there's things we can do. I listed those things, and there's more. But ultimately, you're the decision maker, and you're the ones who run this country. You know, if a guard in a prison has sex with an inmate, then that guard legally has raped that inmate because the guard has the position of power has sex with a teacher, then that teacher has violated that child because they're in the position of authority. You see, white people, you're trying to advocate your position of authority when it comes to racism, police brutality, and the mistreatment of black people in America. Yes, you have a role to play. We can twice as good as you. We can have the best manners. We can even be subservient, which sometimes seems to be even that's not enough. See, we can do all of those things, but if you still kill us, if you still say you're afraid of us, none of that makes a difference what we do because it's through your hands and your action, your ideology. That's what has to change. Well, folks, you've listened to Our Own Voices Live. Today, we talked about whether by police or a lone gunman. And I tried to relate incidences from both sides to highlight areas that need improvement. And even identified which groups need to do the improvement, whether it's one or both. If we're not willing to do it, when you look at yourself in the mirror, I hope you're not seeing red, white, and blue, because whenever you look at us, you just see black. Until next week, we will be back at 1230 promptly. That will be 1230 on the West Coast, 330 on the East Coast. You could go to Our Own Voices live on Facebook and leave comments. I would love to hear your inputs on today's show. And if you have time this evening at 7 o'clock here in Las Vegas, there's going to be a rally. And I know a lot of people say they don't want to go to rallies and they don't do anything. But one thing it does do is it gives people a chance to vent. And we need to vent because it's better for people to go out, march, expend energy, and get stuff off their chest and holding it in and letting it build up until it explodes. That's how we get riots. So, yes, there is a reason for a rally. It also brings visibility to issues, and it is a form of unity with those who have had adverse actions to them in other parts of the country. This is our coming together. That's what we always hear. When are we coming together? And it is a great time to organize because you can find get names, addresses, establish relationships. No, 
according to Pareto's theory, if you get 100 people out, only 20 people, 20 people do the majority of the work. If you get 200 people out, it's 40. Well, that's okay because that's how change happens is with that 20 or with that 40. We need change in America today. Or the America that is on paper, which already doesn't look like the America of reality, will drift further and further from that. And in the words of Thomas Paine, it is, and I paraphrase, it is the oppressor who may harm, physically harm the oppressed and otherwise. But the oppressor is also harmed mentally and from a state of their humanity. This is Rodney Smith signing off. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Let not today be like our yesterday. And do not let tomorrow be like our distant past. Change is up to us. Let's get to work. Thank you. Bye-bye.